your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was once foreboding. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm the all-time champ of the 1999-2000 to 2000 Budokai Tenkaichi Championship, Fat Cat Nichols. <laughs> and today we have some hot communism talk. Broadcaster Nichols, what do you know about Yuri Bezmenov and his cameo in Warzone? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you were there, though, right, when that uh, special event happened? I believe that your computer crashed in the middle of it. But you were there, right? <laughs> Seems about right. It's <laughs> having some CPU troubles back then. Yeah, it was really crazy. Like, it was only available for, like, five minutes, basically one match. If you were online at the time in the lobby, you could do it. And uh, it threw you into the Warzone map with no UI. The UI is like EMP'd out and it's all fuzzy and shit. And it just drops you with like 100 people randomly in, around the stadium. And basically nuke sirens start going off immediately and the, the collapse just starts moving and you're just running. The entire mode was just you running for your life away from a nuclear blast. And as you're doing this, videos would start playing in the middle of your screen as you're running of KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov talking about the evils of communism as you're running away from this nuke in Warzone. <laughs> and I got to say, it's probably one of the greatest examples of guerrilla marketing in video game history. I was shocked by it. And I don't think very many people even saw it or were a part of it because of how limited it was in scope. Yeah, it is pretty genius. I mean, rather that person's going to be on the really wrong side of time, you know, and he's going to be one of the first ones to get the wall when we have a communist takeover here in the near future. Or he know he he told the future and he knew shit was going to turn. He's like, my game's about to be meta as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and. It's interesting because since that moment, everything I've seen about Cold War has been encouraging. The trailer for the storyline looked really good. I, I loved seeing, uh, not Nixon, uh, oh God, uh, God damn it, what's his name? The president, Ronald Reagan, God damn it. Broadcaster Nichols, do you know any presidents? Can you not help me out on President Quiz Night? Wow. I know Jesus. I know uh Roosevelt. Uh <laughs> Bob Dole. <laughs> Bob Dole. Let's talk about Bob Dole a little bit on the podcast <laughs> But yeah, Ronald Reagan, it was cool seeing him in the trailer. The way they did it was super realistic. Like they really accurately made him into a video game character. It wasn't like a likeness, it was a straight up mocap of the real Ronald Reagan. I thought that was very interesting. Wow. And, uh, I the need whole... you to stand down and stand by. <laughs> with that comment. <laughs> and I like, I like the whole, uh, tilt of the story that you're basically your CIA, your spooks. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
I just laughed that there's Robert Redford in there. I clearly <laughs> saw Robert Redford's likeness in there, and I was every time I see Robert Redford, I just think about uh, uh, back to this time when I was uh, bartending, and this lady came up to me, and she just like I don't know, she must have been like maybe mid to late fifties around there and she's just like you look just like a young robert redford and i didn't even know who robert redford was at the time i had no frame of reference right and i had to google it on my phone right then and there and i was like who the fuck is robert and i was just like all right he's a handsome chap and then i realized holy shit it's mountain man (laughs) robert redford's mountain man oh shit yeah well robert redford aside what do you think about the news that this is using the Black Ops 4 engine, or at least a upgraded version of that, and not the brand spanking new Modern Warfare engine that just came out for the Infinity Ward version? Because I'm shocked by that. I still can't believe it. Um, I mean, I can only speculate, you know. I can tell you from user experience with Warzone and modern warfare in general that the size of the game is just intense and i i maybe raven and uh, treyarch maybe they saw that and they were like there's no way we're going down that route where we're going to deliver people another fucking 250 gigabyte game you know <laughs> <laughs> we're not bungee here folks yeah. no pff, shit bungee blushes at at modern warfare dude i think destiny's like 70 gigabytes or something like that <laughs> yeah they've definitely gotten out of hand with it and i think that the whole like installing shaders nonsense is a big part of that but i'm not exactly sure i, I mean that could be it though i mean i think there's I guess what I'm trying to say is the first thing that came to mind is there's probably some glaring weaknesses that we only get a glimpse of on the user side of the game that underneath translate to some very, very bigger problems that Treyarch and the other subsidiary studios that are helping make the game just don't even want to fucking deal with, which yeah. makes them go all the way back to the previous gen and just refine it. It does seem like a bit of an indictment because at the end of the day, Infinity Ward and Raven and all these little subsidiary, Treyarch, all these subsidiary studios, they're all on the same team. And Activision could easily tell Treyarch, hey, we just spent a lot of money on this new engine. You need to use this engine. We don't care if you like your old engine more. You need to use this. We want you to use Warzone. We want Warzone to be a part of your game, yada, yada, yada. And instead, we have Black Ops 4 upgraded. It's not going to have Warzone natively, which means, what do you think? Do you think Warzone's going to its own client now? Do you think that's what's going to happen? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say, you can just take off the tinfoil hat just for a second and think that it is Activision Blizzard, and they're just greedy as fuck. And maybe they have other plans. Well, as, as far as budget goes i should say warzone the free-to-play game the one they said is going to be running parallel sorry parallel alongside 
their upcoming Call of Duty. And for what we can only assume maybe to the next Call of Duty after that one, that the budget to make sure that game inside that engine is working properly for the next two years to come is going to be, you know, quite a bit. So maybe they made a decision where it was like, well, all the money developers that know how to work on that engine are going to be doing exactly that. Updating Warzone, making sure it's running well, making sure it's going to run alone or whatever plans they have to actually present it, if you will, alongside the new Call of Duty. All the meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, you have Cold War, where they're like, shit, we we don't have a lot of money or we don't want to spend a lot of money on these two games. So they saw a way to save money by using another engine that's already well-established with the studio that's already going to be making the next Call of Duty. So it's like a glove that already fits. They save money like that just alone by having user experience on the engine itself. I mean, if I'm looking at it from a business perspective, which Activision Blizzard absolutely is doing, I think logically that's what happened in the boardroom or not the boardroom, but uh, on the financial side. I like how your entire theory pins on the fact that Activision actually gives a fuck about Warzone being stable or bug free or cheat free. Well, that's just bare minimum. <laughs> that's just them. Cause I mean, you got to think about it. They made a statement. They said Warzone is going to be free to play and it's going to be available with black ops for uh, cold war. And then all of a sudden we find out that they're two separate things, yada, yada. I mean, you got to think. I mean, even if they don't give a flying, even if they don't want to make any generous improvements to Warzone, it's still a decent bill to keep that going alongside a whole other game launched. Not even running in the same uh, UI. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, how mad are you if you're Treyarch? Because... You basically made the first Call of Duty Battle Royale. It had its problems, but it was a good game, and I think in a lot of ways superior to Warzone. Activision lets Infinity Ward make their own Battle Royale called Warzone in their own engine, and then they say, from now on, Warzone's it. That's our that's our Battle Royale. They do not give Treyarch one opportunity to try and shore up and perfect their version of it yeah well here's the other side of the coin to this to that perspective as well is that treyarch was already known as the the developer that made zombies that like making zombies with campaign and then all of a sudden it was tasked with them for the black ops 4 to make a black ops zombies uh a battle royale black ops and they don't get any campaign Mm -hmm. right that must have i think that was more of a blow to them than anything because there's a duality to those studios in trinity ward and treyarch and all since treyarch's turn and they're like you don't get a campaign you get to make a flavor of the of the month type genre game a battle royale that's going to bring in the bucks you know Mm -hmm. and not only that if you remember back to that game it was done at the last minute. There's remember there's rumors that they yeah, there act- were rumors it was last minute. 
yeah, they crushed the campaign and that the black and blackout was rushed. And it was, there's kind of evidence to lend to that because the game was so bare bones when it launched, yada, yada, yada. Nonetheless, what I'm saying is, is the other perspective to that, or the other side to that perspective of yours is that maybe they actually didn't give a fuck about uh, Battle Royale. And maybe it's a blessing in disguise for them. Maybe they're like, maybe when they came back to the table to make another Call of Duty, they're like, no, fuck that. We don't want to do a Battle Royale. Let us concentrate on what we like, zombies, which people expect from us, and give us a fucking campaign, because that's what people want in Call of Duty anyways. There was a big enough blowback anyways from last game. We're not going to relive that. So let us do the two things we're good at. Hmm. And, you know, and then Activision Blizzard's like, well, yeah, we'll just keep fucking Warzone going, because it's free to play anyways. <laughs> I, yeah, but I think that almost makes it worse because basically you're you're telling Treyarch, hey, we want you to skip doing a campaign so that you can put all this effort into a battle royale. And then on the very next version of the game that they get, they're like, you know that battle royale you put all the blood, sweat, and tears into? We're throwing that in the dumpster. Now you guys can make a campaign. Have fun. Doesn't that kind of seem like they're treating them like dogs a little bit? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard it's hard to know you know because that engine could have had its own problems as far as improving upon that iteration of battle royale black op is black or blackout is what i'm talking about that it was unsalvageable you know and that it was just a rightful passage for infinity ward to get a shot and it was good enough. And I mean, both those developer studios know who they're dealing with. It's fucking Activision Blizzard. They're not going to be like, "Oh, you gave us this great idea. Can't wait to how? Ha- can't wait to see how you improve upon it next year." Fuck no. They're like, "I want to milk this fucking cow dry, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's probably not shocking to Treyarch in any means. Yeah. Well, do you think they were shocked by the fact they had to censor the Tiananmen Square massacre out of their trailer for China? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Talk about the most unsurprising development of all time. These motherfuckers all know where their paychecks are coming from now. They, Dude, it's 2020. I mean, everyone knows <laughs> who's in on the cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... Yeah, overall, I'd say I'm pretty excited for Cold War. I think the campaign, just from the trailer, looks like they put a lot of heart into it this time around. So I'm expecting it to be better than the Modern Warfare campaign, which I was positive on, but not super positive on. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but I think this could be like a return to form for the campaigns. Uh, I think that's just probably overhandling to me to be honest <laughs> and if, if i objectively look back on call of duty campaigns there's only one super super good campaign and that's modern warfare 2 mm-hmm. and i think everyone just romanticizes the idea of them reliving that or maybe some of the good but not as good other stories that came from other call of duties where they're, they're kind of like, well, they almost got there and I can't wait to see what they're going to do next time. Maybe they're going to top and they're finally going to get past no Russia, you know, (laughs) and I feel like that's the mentality with 
the Call of Duty storylines and camp yeah. campaigns, and it's just like I'm just I'm over it. I really liked Modern Warfare because it was it felt realistic. Felt like a war sim. Yeah, it felt it actually felt like I played it on real realism, and I only played it on realism one time through, just a one shot, and it maybe it made me appreciate the campaign a little bit more, but the missions itself. Maybe the first half, the second half kind of got a little Hollywood, but the, like the the mission that uh, kind of replicated Benghazi, you know? Yeah, that was I the best. That was very visceral, you know. And I was like, "This is what I want from a Call of Duty campaign. This, if, if I get this every year from a Call of Duty campaign, I might. Yeah. Am I gonna go fucking on Twitter and talk about how dope?" And lit the campaign was no <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i think i think the whole uh kind of treating treyarch like a dog with the hey you don't get a campaign this time make us a battle royale heal heal i think that whole thing might actually put a You're little talking f- about two beaten dogs already bro. right well <laughs> i i think that there's a good chance that that whole thing really offended treyarch and they might bring the heat this time around because from their perspective, they got benched last campaign. They got straight up benched and they might want to come out swinging this time to prove that they deserve a campaign more than infinity ward. Yeah, true. Well, do keep in mind. I mean, everything is an assumption. You know, when I was talking about the other side of that, where possibly it was a blessing in disguise and that there's a separate developer running the free to play war zone. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe Treyarch is going to get creative control over Warzone for the year as well. That would be interesting. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, uh, then then what would you have to say to it? You know, now they're get, they get to take over someone else's ship, <laughs> you know, and spiritually uh, right the wrongs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, first thing they need to do is add water combat grappling guns yeah the second thing grappling guns grappling guns 2.0 and third thing the golden paladin (laughs) there's no need for the golden (laughs) paladin anymore they got the sp 208 (laughs) it's a bolt it's it's a bolt action looking hunting rifle that apparently can go 2000 yards (laughs) it it shoots more like a phaser from star trek than it does a sniper rifle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh before we move on to our preview broadcaster nicholas i have one more thought to discuss with you on call of duty cold war and that is do you think with everything we've said so far is this game a trojan horse or are they really really going to treat communism as what it is the most evil form of governance on the planet because there is a lot of pro-commie sentiment nowadays. And if they really portray communism in the way that's realistic, they could ruffle some serious feathers with the hard left gaming industry, which is most of the gaming industry at this point. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. The people that make the Call of Duty games have always by kind of been notoriously not left mm-hmm. and on top of that accused of being 
well, I'll just say in the more innocent terms, not left. (laughs) 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 So take that into consideration. (laughs) And also, this might be a little political, a tinge of political, but. Uh Uh-oh. Where's the Mega Man X warning horn when you need it? These things we talk about, you know, where it's like PC things, you know, where we need equal women representation. We need BIPOC or whatever, you know, by people of color or whatever. (laughs) That term pisses me off whenever I hear it. We need, uh, you know, one-armed white woman in in fucking World War II rescuing strong men on the ground, you know, stuff like that. It's just like people get this assumption that there's just this huge amount of people that are for this and it's just such a small amount and i know a lot of people say this and i don't think enough people put weight on it because they go on the computer the interwebs you know and they just they go to their twitter and they're just like oh my god i can't believe people think like this when it's just fucking like (laughs) a very small amount of people most people want to turn on call of duty and see a six foot four fucking 280 pound muscle jock fucking punching a dude's skull into the wall. Like they are just watching the, uh, you know, third sequel to fucking predator. (laughs) 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 All right. Yeah. And if you say, if you're trying to say to yourself that that's not what you want out of a game that's labeled Call of Duty Black Ops or Warzone or fucking whatever subtitle you want, you're lying to yourself. What mm-hmm. do you expect? <laughs> you really want a subversive plot of oh, the communism's bad, but is it? <laughs> like, no one's trying to Call of Duty on that, and if you're the guy in charge for making money for Call of Duty franchise, and you're trying to build that, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just a dumb fucking idiot. Even if you think that, even if those are your ideals, you're not, you shouldn't be dumb enough to know that that's gonna sell. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that hot note, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our preview a free guy. Oh, yeah. What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack seller. Hey, you over there. Are you a straight up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our preview of Free Guy. Broadcaster Nichols. Is this Battle Royale the movie, or is it Grand Theft Auto the movie? Cease. I need you to calm down. (laughs) Never bring up Battle Royale again. (laughs) Too much Battle Royale. Hey, guess what's coming out this year and next year and probably the year after that? Hmm. Battle Royales. (laughs) Halo's getting a Battle Royale. 
Republican get Apex Legends fucking mythic Uber stories. <laughs> mythic Uber Bi- story. BIPOC of color colorful stories. <laughs> um <laughs> cut <laughs> take two. <laughs> But seriously, I mean, how many, how many different fucking battle royales are coming out here? Just, well, this is going to be the first movie, or is it? I think it's more of a Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, after watching the trailers, I agree with you. He's in a bank, you know. He's getting robbed by a chick that he's going to try to bang, which <laughs> I totally agree with. Which Ryan Reynolds banged in the trailer before that scene was shot. <laughs> banged in the trailer before the scene for sure. In the trailer, oh damn, that's that's some in, that's some Inception right there. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds bangs the chick in the tra- from the trailer in the trailer before the scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call transcendence. <sighs> damn. I wish I was cool as Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so basically this is sort of like the Truman Show, but for video games, I guess. Uh, Ryan Reynolds plays a generic NPC, and one day he realizes he doesn't want to be an NPC anymore, and he picks up the gun and starts fighting the players. And uh, apparently the entire storyline is about the developer is getting pissed off at this NPC doing what he wants and their plot to try and kill the NPC from their game, which they should just be able to do by shutting the server down and deleting him and turning the server back on. But uh, we'll see how they handle that realistically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't want to say that it's one of those movies that gives too much away in the trailer, but it might be. It, it might be, maybe I'm just maybe the, what I'm about to say is just giving it too too much benefit of the doubt. But I think it's just so simple of a movie that what they show in the trailer kind of just well does exactly that. Shows you how simple the movie actually is. Yeah, it feels like they show you everything in the trailer except for the ending. I feel yeah. like I saw the the beginning and the middle. It's and it seems also very tropey. Oh, like oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, comedies are supposed to be tropey, but they're also supposed to be you know, I don't know, humiliating, um, you know, laughable, self-degrading. I don't know. It just. There was none of that in the trailer. There was just like a whole bunch of tropes with very little um, comedy to it. Like, for instance, in the trailer, when the girl gets kissed by Ryan Reynolds in the the game, and there's this (laughs) moment in real life where she's trying to explain to the dude that clearly wants to bang her in real life, the one that she probably should be banging if she was a healthy woman. (laughs) Not trying to bang virtual Ronald Reynolds, but anyways, I digress. (laughs) She's trying to explain to him that 
the NPC came alive and kissed her. And like the scene is, they clearly are trying to make it funny. Like, you know, she's like, I guess and it's just like, it's just like, I get it, but there was nothing funny there. And that's kind of like the whole trailer. Yeah. I think Ryan Reynolds is slowly becoming like Will Ferrell, like 20 years younger. Mm. <laughs> he, he kind of, he, he is an interesting guy. He, he just, he gets paid to play himself now. He's one of those guys that just gets paid to come be Ryan Reynolds on our set for a few hours a day for a couple weeks. And we'll pay you five to $50 million. Yeah. No, I mean, it's no doubt that you you don't get to see Ryan Reynolds actually play a character anymore. Ryan Reynolds is the character. Mm -hmm. And it all started with waiting, which is one of my favorite movies. And it came out when I was in college. So it was sort of right there for my generation. And uh, that was really my true introduction to Ryan Reynolds. I think I saw him in one other movie before that, but that was the one where I was like, this is Ryan Reynolds. This is who he is as an actor. This is his big character. And I feel like every single character since waiting has been a version of his character from waiting. It's an accurate assessment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I mean, just to say quickly, I mean, it's happened to a lot of actors. Vince Vaughn is one. I said, Will Ferrell, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Owen. Now. Yeah. Owen Wilson. <laughs> you know. Wow. I never got tired of Owen Wilson. That's the difference. Like if a I new know. Owen Wilson movie came out tomorrow, even if it like looked shit, I would still watch it. I know dude. the audience never got tired of Owen Wilson. I think Hollywood got tired. Yep. Of <laughs> he was just too cool for him. He was probably banging all the director's wives or something. Yeah. And they all got pissed and they're like, we're blacklisting. this motherfucker." <laughs> but uh, so for, as far as the video game movie goes, this seems like it's going to be a super non-serious comedy style take. There isn't going to be like serious introspection, like what does it mean to be made of photons and force fields? Am I real? Is real life real? What is real? I don't think we're going to have one of those type of movies. I think this is going to be very uh, almost like goofy. Like I feel like this could be like a Looney Tunes style. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. I'm going to Nostradamus, our Negro Dom this shit. Oh, shit. Negro Domus. What's going to happen is is they're going to do the tropey-ass reality with digital parallel thing running away. Ryan Reynolds is doing whatever he needs to do to save his world or become more significant in his world all while the woman's life collapses in reality all trying all while trying to save this game and everyone's like pretty much like you're wasting your life you're just doing this for no reason you know <laughs> and then at the very end somehow through you know through social media instagram fucking pinterest sorcery <laughs> fucking pinterest ryan, reynolds, sorcery. <laughs> ryan reynolds is going to become a real life human boy right oh, and Jesus she's Christ. gonna randomly meet him at a Starbucks, a Starbucks and he's going to have a really trendy scarf on and it's like fall and leaves are going to be falling and they're going to like 
like smile at each other and be like, let me buy you a coffee. And then the credits are going to roll. I guarantee it's going to go down something roughly like that. Well, Hollywood that- hit me up. All right. <laughs> I not Jewish, but I mean, <laughs> listen to that. All right. I mean, if that's even 90% accurate, come at me. <laughs> all right. Broadcaster nickel with the hot takes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if that's the ending i'm gonna throw up uh i can't this does just seem like it's gonna be a super like kind of goofy ready player one movie like it's they're gonna take ready player one take all the drama out and just make it super goofy and tropey and meme here's the thing the only reason i i I can almost guarantee this is because a ryan reynolds is a face and they don't want there's like this rule in Hollywood where you don't put a mask on a pretty face. You don't <laughs> like uh, shoehorn the pretty face into being insignificant. And the fact that Ryan Reynolds character is a digital only character, he's not a real person is like kind of the, the, the hero's journey for him in that mm. movie. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we also don't know what year this takes place. So technically speaking, this could be far into the future where they have like androids. And perhaps your little prediction comes true by them just buying an android and sticking his, you know, his code into the right now. If I'm not even 70 percent right, I will buy you a Tony Roma's dinner. (laughs) 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 All right. Our Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, so so uh whole movie doesn't take place in the game. Definitely some stuff going on outside the game. But how much do you think this is going to be a 50-50 split? You think it's going to be mostly in the game? Or the Dark Horse pick, is it going to be mostly in the real world and there's barely anything in the game and they show the uh, entire game in the trailer? I that would be funny. Gonna, I think it's probably going to be like a 70, a 60. So either be 70-30 or 60-40 split with majority going to digital Ryan Reynolds. Hmm. I will say that I like the highly stylized uh, graphics effects. What do you think about the CG that you saw? Because it looks like the type of CG that if they made this movie 10 years ago, it would have been super corny. But because it's 2020 and not 2010, it looks pretty decent. I mean... Yeah. Things like that always stand out to me as just not being real, period. <laughs> but they always look kind of cheesy in hindsight, don't you? And I feel like that's where all of our like examples come from. Like I don't think I've ever actually looked at a like a television show. Well, maybe a television show because the budgets are so low, but a triple A movie uh I've never looked at in the present time. Unless it was just notoriously bad again, where I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just, they could have done better. <laughs> you know, like, it's always in hindsight where I'm just like, man, that looks so bad now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure the graphics and free guy are going to look really bad in 2030. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Right now, I would say that I'm, sh- I'm sure they're pretty good. But again, I'm, I'm kind of biased. You're, you're talking to somebody that literally has seen maybe one Pixar movie. I saw the first two Toy Stories, <laughs> you know, like 
I'm giving you an example. I think I saw the first cars. <laughs> Owen I, Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Full <Come> circle. <laughs> I was glad that they went with a no-name female lead. What did you think about that? Because she's attractive and she's not distracting. Like, if you put your, your uh, future ex-wife, Scarlett Johansson, in there, That'd be pretty distracting with Ryan Reynolds. It would just become, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds and Scarlett Johansson hanging out on a set. You want to hear the Dark Horse comment of the night? Oh, shit. Here we go. She looks like a poor version of Ryan Reynolds' actual wife. Oh. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) And if you don't know, I I think it's something Blake, Sarah Blake. or Blake Lively. Blake Lively. Is that her name? Yeah. You know what she looks like then. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You have a reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I could see that a little bit. Definitely a poor man's version. Yeah, poor, poor. <laughs> like, you got to make it in your mouth to make it taste good type of thing. <laughs> I don't know if that reference worked out, but I did it anyways. Moving on. <laughs> I re- <laughs> I really like the the glasses in the trailer. I like the way that they the UI is totally a part of the glasses, and like there was that scene where he kept putting them off and turning them on and taking them off and putting them on. It reminded me of uh, They Live with uh, <laughs> the late great Roddy Roddy Piper. <laughs> oh man, rest in power. <laughs> Anyways. Man, wouldn't that be crazy if this was a sneak under the table fucking sequel? Oh like shit! Ariane, dude, the chick was just undead, you know. And Ryan Reynolds like comes out of the simulation where they had him sitting in a virtual virtual sarcophagus for so long, and he like comes out <laughs> like the Doom Slayer, you know. And he's just like, I gotta take back this planet. <laughs> Puts the glasses on, sees all of them. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. (laughs) But I'm all out of bubble gum. (laughs) We don't deserve that movie, but we do need it. Yeah, I probably just gave that movie the ending it didn't deserve. But again, Hollywood, hit me up. I mean, (laughs) even if you want to do a storyline 50% like that, I'm your guy. Yeah. Yeah, d- despite us both kind of thinking this is going to be GTA the movie and not Battle Royale the movie, I do still think that there is going to be a flush amount of memes and references for Fortnite in this movie. Oh, of course. This movie is for that demographic. Mm-hmm. That it is. And it's very weird that Disney decided to make this movie because if you really look at what this movie is supposed to be, it should be rated R. And it should not be for kids, and it should not be a Disney movie. Yet, here we are. Disney's making it. It's going to be super PG. You can already see from the trailer that it's not showing blood and gore. When when people die, they just, like, vanish like a character from a 2D RPG. They just kind of, like, fade. And yeah. uh, you well, saw that hole blown in the guy in the bank. It was just, you know, just a black hole with, like, red scarring around it. No blood. It was very PG. Here's another uh, tinfoil hat theory here. Maybe, maybe this is just one, one off, if you will, or maybe one of many to come 
of cheesy, easy, sellable movies starring Ryan Reynolds oh, for Fox. Who's doing this? Who's, who's the actual production house? It's 20th Century Fox owned by it Disney. It is? Yeah. So, maybe they haven't announced it yet. Again, tinfoil conspiracy here. Maybe Ryan Reynolds is doing all these as kind of like a scratch my back, I'll scratch your back to make Deadpool 3 happen. Mm, oh, that would be nice. Because there's a lot of, well, I just say Deadpool is 3 is really up in the air, whether it's going to be what Ryan Reynolds really wants it to be. So maybe he's like, you know, sucking some industry dick right now. You know, <laughs> make it sure Deadpool 3 can happen. And that's why we're getting movies like, you know, Free Guy. And I'm not saying Free Guy looks bad or it's going to be bad. I'm just saying, you know, this is just kind of comes off as a little bit above schlock. Comedy yeah, schlock. it looks super. Yeah, it does. It looks super schlocky for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, <sighs> Do you think the December 11th release date is actually going to happen? <laughs> it's a good question. I didn't even think about that. I mean, again, I don't want to shit on this movie too much, but this movie is kind of like, uh, I don't think it needs to film anymore, and I don't think they really can afford to kind of keep this movie in the shadows for too much longer, or it will lose uh, attention. You know, and then they won't make any money off of it, so they might just have to release it. You know, this uh, they'd be smart to just put it on VOD. I don't know why more companies aren't doing that or stream it. I mean, Wonder Woman 82 is going to get streamed. Um, what else is getting streamed? Lethal Weapon 8. I don't know. You know, what I'm talking about <laughs> everything's going to get streamed here. It should, but not everything. I mean, a lot of movies aren't. And I thought that honestly, they're saying they're not. But let's be real here. If this, if shenanigan lockdown extravaganza goes on for 2021, like the powers that be wanted to, then what else fucking choice do they have? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, here's Black Widow that we told you about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah but i mean i don't think it's really going to go on much longer and i think that they all kind of think the same thing so they're all waiting right now yeah well it is what it is you know but i think you kind of have to bet for the worst case scenario and the worst case scenario is you know that these times unprecedented times <laughs> Now here at the cellar and worldwide, um, that affect these these movies in a really bad way, and they're just gonna have to, you know, get caught in the back alley doing five handies, five handies, you know. Mm. Saying Brooklyn five handies, I don't even know what that is. I'm not from Brooklyn, but I made it up. And I I I feel like a gay ghost from Brooklyn just inspirited you and made you say that. I mean, I, I can, I believe that. <laughs> uh, I have one more very important question for you. Why in the hell is Mariah Carey the trailer theme? 
Illuminati. First of all, first of all, nobody in the target audience for this movie likes Mariah Carey. Most of them don't even know who the fuck Mariah Carey is. Now, let's just put that part aside. Most of the people in the target audience were not born when Mariah Carey was popular. This is a baffling decision for for a, a movie like this. I think Mariah Carey is a little bit more relevant than you think, but what? still. Yeah, I think she hasn't had a hit since the nineties. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> When's the last time you were listening to my my queen Mariah? All right. Last time I saw Mariah Carey, she was blackout drunk on like a New Year's event on NBC with like Bryant Gumble or something. Bite your tongue, peasant. <laughs> it was, and that was like eight years ago, I think. Too, that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, anyways, what you're trying to say is, is that you're agreeing with my previous assessment that this movie is a dog bone. For all the fucking mutts they need to appease in Hollywood, including fucking Mariah Carey, who's just like, let me write a fucking song. It's been so long. I want to fucking write a song for a movie. And they're like, all right, write the fucking song for free, guys. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds is like, this fucking sucks, but at least I get to fucking make Deadpool 3. <laughs> well, if that's how it has to happen, then that's how it has to happen. And that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, do you give Free Guy a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or the dreaded side thumb? In these unprecedented times, (laughs) I'm going to authorize the use on this rare occasion, the side thumb. Oh, shit. End of report. Yeah, uh, is it a wobbly side thumb or is it a pretty stiff side thumb? It's a strong and powerful side. (laughs) Yeah, I'm giving it a thumbs down. Um, I was more excited for this movie before I saw the trailers, which is never a good sign. (laughs) That's not a good sign at all. (laughs) No, and uh. I mean, I could be wrong and this could end up being good, but I have a feeling that I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to have to watch this movie drunk. There's no way I can watch this movie sober. That's the one thing I came out of these trailers thinking. I cannot watch this movie sober. (laughs) And so in my drunken stupor, I still believe I will probably still dislike this movie when it's all said and done. But I will give it the benefit of the doubt because this type of schlock may get us Deadpool three. And that theory alone gives me hope. I think what's funny is, is that I know this movie is going to be one of those movies. I'm going to watch like a year and a half from now on Netflix for free or something like that. And I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, I dedicated part of a podcast episode to this and I'm just starting to watch it. (laughs) I know that's how it's going to go down. You're not going to be in the theaters on December 11th. I'm going to totally going to forget like 90% of Americans that the movie even exists. (laughs) That being said, broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our review of star Wars woke squadron? Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
And we're back with our review of Ian S. Frazier's Star Wars Squadrons. And the creators of this video game describe it as the following. Master the art of starfighter combat in the authentic piloting experience Star Wars. Trademark Squadrons. Buckle up. Feel the adrenaline of first-person multiplayer space dogfights alongside your squadron and learn what it means to be a pilot in a thrilling Star Wars single-player campaign that made me want to hurl. Broadcaster Nichols, this game is all woke and no joke. But you wouldn't know that because you skipped all the cutscenes. Let's skip all the cutscenes. <laughs> I skipped all the side content. <laughs> <laughs> The side content. There is no side content in this game. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Anything that didn't wasn't mandatory take off out of the hangar is what I call side content. Yeah, the side content is pressing a button and talking to some woke cardboard cutout character about nothing for 30 seconds. No. More like at least 120 seconds. <laughs> They say some shit. Dude, they stretch what could be said in about 15 seconds into, I don't know, three minutes. It's insane. Yeah, the the writers of this storyline should all be drawn and quartered. This is... <laughs> the, the campaign is a travesty. It was short. It was lackluster. The characters <laughs> and the dialogue were on par with Mass Effect Andromeda. It wasn't good. It's one of those games where you, when it ends, you're not quite sure it ended. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just like, is that it? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And it, and it also like turns like the epic conflict between the rebel Alliance and the empire that has sown the seeds of chaos in the quadrant for 50 years now into an episode of Glee. This is the the way they portray both the Empire and the Rebel Alliance is literally like two rival uh, dance crews, like having a dance off against each other. It's it's really really bad. Yeah, it, I mean it really is. It, a lot. I think fifty percent of people come in to this game looking for an experience along the lines of. I don't know the original Rogue Squadron, but really this is just a VR game. It's yeah. a VR game, no matter where you're playing it. I expect if you were to actually play this game with a VR headset, it would really shine. Well, you know, uh, I did play it with a VR headset, and I can say oh. that it didn't really shine. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, now, this is with the PSVR, which... I guess is the weakest of all the VR headsets. That's what people tell me. So take this as like the bottom tier of VR, if you will. But holy shit, do they downgrade the graphics in this game when you switch to VR? It Imagine you have a graphics slider, and the game by default when you're just playing it on a TV is set to 100 out of 100. When you switch to VR, they take that slider down to about 25 out of 100. It looks like a game from 2002 when you turn it on to VR mode. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. Wow. It's muddy. The textures look like something out of the original Half-Life. 
It's it's insane. That's sad. It, it is. That being said, though, it's really fun in VR, and it's it's probably one of the better VR games I've ever played. But how the fuck can you not get the graphics better than two thousand two? Maybe it's just PlayStation VR. I wonder if it can run better on anything else. Yeah, well, people that do the Oculus tell me, like, the the Oculus elites, as I call them, because all they do is talk shit about the other VR headsets, they claim that their VR is much better, and when when I talk shit about VR, they're like, oh, it's because you're on PSVR, you gotta get Oculus, that's the real shit. I don't know if that's true or not, I don't know what the big difference is between the two, I can't say for sure, but I will say, PSVR proves to me The VR isn't ready yet. It needs a few more generations to work out the kinks because it's just one step above a virtual boy right now, in my opinion. I could have told you that four years ago, (laughs) six years ago, then 10 years ago, (laughs) then 15 years ago. (laughs) Ah, right, right. But it's fun. I will say that the VR experience is really the only reason to buy the game, (laughs) but it's not great. That's sad to hear because that was the first thing I thought when I saw that game. I was like, oh, this is clearly a VR game. Oh, man. If it looks this good in VR, this will be dope. Nope. (laughs) if, If the game, if the way the game looks in normal is actually how it looked in VR. This could be like one of the killer apps that launched VR into the stratosphere. But the way it is on PSVR, it's so bad that you can't even make out objectives because of how blurry the graphics are. It's insane. <laughs> I can't I can't stress enough how much they downgrade the graphics to get it to work on PSVR. It's it's sad. And this is I will p- say this as well. This is on the PS Pro. Not the normal vanilla PS4. This is on a PS4 Pro, so don't come at me with, oh, you're using the old PS4, that's why it looks bad. It's You need the PS4 Pro. No, I got that. It's still that bad. (laughs) Oh, you got the old fucking PS4. That's why it looks like an N64 game. (laughs) I mean, other than that, the multiplayer, I think, is all right. It's there's two modes. There's just like a standard deathmatch dogfighter team deathmatch thing, which is standard and feels exactly what you would think it would be. Nothing special about it. It's it's fun, but it you know it's the type of thing that you'd lose interest in pretty quick. Then they have a second mode. It's called Fleet Battles, and this is basically sort of like a League of Legends MOBA archetype, but instead of having like a lane through a forest. Going from each side, you have a lane going through space with flagships on each side. But same overall concepts. You're you're fighting with your NPCs to push the line to take bigger and bigger ships, aka the towers, if it were League of Legends. And you push and you push, and eventually you Sounds kill their like headquarters. A lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very standard MOBA type gameplay, just applied to this game and. It seemed kind of fun, but again, nothing special. There's absolutely nothing about the multiplayer where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be playing this for a year. No way. I don't think it's going to have any staying power. My guess is that the multiplayer queues are going to die in two months, maybe three months because it's Star Wars. 
Oh, uh, yeah. No doubt. Well, it's not... I think Battlefront 2 is going to live well, well beyond this game. Well, ever. Probably. Yeah. That game's like, what, two years older? <laughs> yeah. It's funny, too, because you look at the price point. I didn't realize this game was only a $40 game till I actually went and bought it. And I got this like feeling in my gut as soon as I heard it was $40. Like, oh, this is a free to play game. But because it's Star Wars, they're going to charge people 40 bucks for it. Yep. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I felt robbed. Yeah. And uh, an- another interesting tidbit. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the the teammate AI was horrible in the campaign. Did you notice that at all? The way that your teammates work in the campaign? No way. My teammates were crazy good. Did, are you, did you use the targeting a lot? Yes. That's not AI. That's you sending attack dogs. I'm talking about how the your allies act while you're not giving them orders. Oh, well, yeah. I. This is what they do. They fly in your exact same flight pattern. They mirror your movements what? and do nothing. That's what they do if you're not sending them on attack runs and ordering them around. They will literally just be like six feet on your left, six feet on your right. If you turn an inch to the right, they turn an inch to the right. It's very, very cringy in the year 2020 to see that sort of AI. That's something that would have been cringy in 1998. Well, I mean, it is VR. It has to run smooth on VR. Probably it was a shortcut. They took a shortcut. This game was super rushed out. You can just tell in every facet of the game that they, EA had a mandate. They said, you need to release this game now. I don't care what you have to do. And they cut some serious corners along the way. And I believe one of them is that AI. Because that just, it looked really weird. Every time I noticed it, I'd take like a little bank to the left and I'd see the guy on my peripheral on my left take the exact same bank to the left and keep the exact same relative distance from me as he was before. It's just like, it totally pulls you out of the experience. It's one of those fourth wall breaking things that's just bad game design and it's sad. Are you telling me this is not compelling gameplay? (laughs) I actually think that the gameplay is pretty compelling, honestly. That's the yeah. only part of the game I like is just like the core gameplay. Would you say it's another billion dollar IP? <laughs> I would say it's a travesty riding on the coattails of billion dollar IP. <laughs> Get Cliffy B on the line. <laughs> so it's right up his alley. <laughs> the the engine itself is amazing. And I feel really bad for the guy who programmed the engine of squadrons because this guy made an amazing space dogfighter engine and they put one of the worst campaigns of all time <laughs> into it. You know what I noticed immediately? Hmm. There was a lot of women. Oh yeah, I was. I knew something was off when I found myself counting how many men were in the background. Not even real characters, <laughs> just how many men were present at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it's pretty bad. The Rebel Alliance only has one 
white male option out of 10 total character archetypes. One is a white male. Did you notice that they let the female and male voices go both ways? You can be a yeah. female with a male voice. <laughs> and they didn't they didn't say male or female either. They said A or B or some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And all female voices were A and all male voices were B. <laughs> Yeah. Which I and, found that to be calculated. <laughs> oh, dude. When Kathleen Kennedy came out and said the force is female, the the people that wrote the storyline for Squadrons all had like a collective orgasm at that sentence because they literally took that sentence from Kathleen Kennedy's mouth and they created it into a video game. This is female reparations for Star Wars. Every fucking yeah. character is female. All the powerful characters, all the bosses, the the leader of the empire is a Wakanda national. Okay. So so let, let's get this straight. The empire, which is an archetype of the Nazis, the master race, the people that are renowned for being, nah, you got to be an Aryan, bruh. We don't want no non-Aryans in our Nazi regime. So these people are hiring woke Wakandan females to lead their fleets now? At least stay fucking... This is what drives me fucking crazy. You want to do your woke woke bullshit, go ahead and do it, but you have to stay within the constraints of the storyline that you exist in. The Empire's based off of the Nazis. You cannot all of a sudden make the fucking Empire some fucking woke melting pot of... Everything except for the Nazis. It makes no sense. But dude, I want to see Rose Tika's character fleshed out. <sighs> it def- it Why defies are you laughing. <laughs> I just can't believe what I saw in this in this game from the Empire. Like I get it with the Rebel Alliance because the way that culture works right now, of course the Rebel Alliance is going to be a bunch of plucky, woke 18-year-olds that think that they're going to take down capitalism. I I fully expected that, and I, I'm at peace with it. Okay, but for you to do this to the Empire, too, you're breaking the central rule of the universe. You're, you're shitting on the original trilogy and everything that they established. By doing this, and it's unforgivable, man. I think it's just straight up unforgivable. I think we're far past unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, e- even putting that aside, the character customization was super weak. Like, you might as well not even make a character. Yeah, it was pretty weak. You don't see him ever. You don't see him. I don't even know why they let you pick the voice because it's like the voice never, like you never talk. There's no real point to it. You do sometimes, but yeah. (laughs) Like once or twice, maybe it's a joke. Well, I think you, you, you talk, you know, like when you're getting hit and you do the quips with the NPCs and the allies and the actual gameplay. And then I think there's actually a couple like in game cutscenes where your voice that you picked is used. (laughs) They don't really honor what you use in the character creation at a certain point in this game, and that's another just spit (laughs) in the face. 
I think it's also a glaring uh, fucking admission mm-hmm. <laughs> to where they gave up. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, ah, fucking, let's finish the game. Yeah, and gave up they did. Uh, before we get to our spoilers section, I just want to say that this is overall the weakest Star Wars story of all time, and that includes every movie. It includes the TV shows. It includes the Christmas special. It includes the books that I read that aren't even canon anymore. It definitely includes The Old Republic. Everything. There's nothing (laughs) worse than this story in this game. So if you're sitting here saying to yourself, I want a new Star Wars story, don't buy this game. If you're saying to yourself, I want an upgraded version of X-Wing and TIE Fighter from the early 90s on the PC, buy this game. Because that's what this is. This is those games upgraded for new tech. There is no story to be had here, gentlemen. This is a dud. Turn away. (laughs) That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, to those who have not played this yet and are about to turn off this episode and go buy it, do you recommend that they do so or should they save their money? Well, like most people in 2020, no matter what I say, you're lying to yourself. You already decided. You know what you're going to do no matter what I say. So I will say that this game is trash and you should save your $40 and maybe, I don't know, buy your mom a nice bouquet of flowers or fucking, I don't know, buy a hand job from the nail parlor across the street from where you get that sub on weekends, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that was a strong recommendation from Broadcaster Nichols. <laughs> I got a problem with Fleck. <laughs> Go <All right>. on. <laughs> that guy sucks. He talks way too much. He has nothing good to say. At one point, the very, very beginning when he uses, and I'll use the quote loosely because I don't remember it because I didn't give too much brain capacity to remembering it. (laughs) He said something like, oh, well, the day is not over. I can still piss somebody off, something along those lines. And I was like, oh, this guy's the villain in disguise. (laughs) This guy's going to betray them all. And it, it it was the only sign of maybe potential character depth in this whole fucking game. <laughs> and it didn't play out. He just ended up being a fucking sandbag that wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this, this game starts with the least believable, most cringy betrayal of all time. Did you... So when you start this game out and you're on the Empire to begin with and you see who ends up being a main character, both the main characters, basically, you see Lyndon Javes, the captain, <laughs> and you see Teresa Carroll, the And the just protege. to put into context, one Lyndon, black old man, kind of looks like Morgan Freeman. And what was the other <laughs> check? I forget her name. Teresa Carroll strong, strong 90-pound soaking wet Asian female <laughs> with short haircut with a lot with a with a quaff that is out of this world. <laughs> How she maintains that, I do not know. 
This was choreographed. It was telemarked. It starts off with with him. The uh, fucking Javes is <laughs> I've that dude's name is so weird. Lyndon Javes. What a fucking weird name. It starts out with this guy basically being told, hey, hey, captain, we need you to go murder some refugees. <laughs> and right off the bat, my red alert was going off. Oh, political, political. This is a political <laughs> hit job. <laughs> And and he's he's like he has this look on his face like oh I can't believe I'm doing this and he's he talks to his protege Teresa Carroll and she's like oh we need to do this for the empire and then Lyndon Javes is like are you sure we need to kill refugees for the empire do you never question your orders and Teresa Carroll's like what why would you say that we never question our orders moving on like without without even like being like wait a second my ceo just literally questioned the empire i should turn this guy in before we go on the mission like he's a traitor and she's like moving on we're not going to talk about that so so basically they telemark this dude's betrayal from the very very beginning of like you know he's going to betray them before the mission starts you missed the most clown shoes part of that conversation though at the the cherry on top after they say exactly that he says, "Man, I hope she got what I meant." Oh my <laughs> like she, God. he literally says that out loud. He's like, "Man, I really hope fucking that bitch fucking got what I meant when I was trying to tell her, looking her in the eyes, being like, this shit's fucked up.'" And she just walks off. Do, 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 do. <sighs> Fourteen episodes later, she got it. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> I just can't get over like her shock when when Javes betrays them in this first mission. It's like everyone who has half a brain knows this is going to happen. They telegraph it. It happens in the mission. And she's just like, the humanity. How could you do this? I would have never thought I knew you so well. Blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, bitch, I've known this guy for 10 seconds and I knew this was going to happen. Yep. What is wrong with you? This goes to show you who they're catering to nowadays. Idiots? Like, yeah, it's just like, as, you know, someone would be like, it's for the children. I was like, dude, if I, if I had a fucking six-year-old and they were playing this, I'd be offended if that's who, who this was catered to. <laughs> this is terrible. This is remedial fucking dr- just swill. It's, it's what's floating at the bottom of the cup. All right? Ooh, that's man. <laughs> I think that's putting it putting it lightly. This this first mission is just shameless political stoogery. They they set up this entire games campaign as oh the refugees. It's all just a a fucking time a, crisis four's <laughs> arcade story is better than this. It, right? is, it is. It is. You're right about that. <laughs> so okay so so we have our captain who betrays the empire that he's been with for his entire life because they'd say oh you got to go kill some refugees so uh mr Lyndon javes what were you doing the other 20 years where you were also murdering refugees and you seem to have no problem with it but now all of a sudden you do 
Well, they they would like you to believe that this in his forty year tenure of fucking <laughs> being with the Empire that this was his first time encountering such atrocities. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Empire was like super legit before this game. Like they were really nice dudes, and they just wanted to you know serve tea and have a party. But yeah. it's funny too because this is them in like their weakened form. Mm-hmm. You know this is. <laughs> doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah and what also doesn't make sense is that the only white guy in the empire is a fucking android <laughs> it's it's unbelievable dude like you you have you have an asian dude you have like a bunch of black women you have uh an asian woman and you have some weirdo who never takes his mask off which i'm assuming is supposed to be the quote-unquote white guy and they keep his mask on to kind of hide his whiteness because that's what you're supposed to do now. You're supposed to not like being white and like to hide it from the world and pretend you're not. And yep. I think that's a great paradigm for what they're trying to say with this storyline, which is it is not okay to be white in a galaxy far, far away. Yep. There's no doubt about that. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. My blood pressure is going <laughs> up. <laughs> 90% of the characters in this game are female and that's not an exaggeration. And the 10% that are male are just side characters and emasculated simps who cower before the strong woman. Like, it's a meme and a half to watch you this ever seen? You ever seen Bubble Boy with Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, I have. You know the eunuch cult ran <laughs> by Fabio? <laughs> yeah. That's who Hollywood uses for their archetype for men nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those ballless fucking zealots. <laughs> yeah, on the on the galactic, uh, what do they call themselves now? Are they the new Galactic Republic, or are they the new? I don't know. I still call them the Rebel Alliance. They're a bunch of bullshit. They'll never be the Republic because the Republic was good and they suck. Uh, <laughs> these people, it is literally we have. A woman with yellow face paint. Then you have, then you have a woman with red face paint. Then you have, (laughs) then you have a strong Wakandan female, which is standard. That's like the standard now across everything. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but like every game must have like a bare minimum of like five strong Wakandan females. Oh, for sure. So, so then we have uh, another female who is the. mechanic like the engineer who i shit you not is the exact same female model as the female on your team with yellow face paint they just took the face paint offer <laughs> i there's a few scenes where it's they show them side by side Fiona. <laughs> dude they they show them side by side a few times and you can look and you can see it's the exact same character model they just put yellow face paint on one and said oh this is a different character I'm telling you dude activision uh then then uh, of course we have uh or it's EA, sorry we have Hera Syndulla from the great Star Wars Rebels cartoon that no one's watched as the main cameo and she becomes the leader at the end of the game and she is a tentacle alien and she is the hottest female in this entire fucking game and she is a goddamn tentacle monster that is how far we have fallen. There are a hundred women in this game, and they are all intentionally designed to be ugly. Bigot. 
this is what Mass Effect Andromeda started, and it's what <laughs> Listen, Star right, Wars Woke hey, Squadron hey, is continuing. Hey, hey. I think they tried to make the females hot in Andromeda. They just couldn't make it happen. <laughs> well, so so the only male on the Rebel Alliance side is an, a Bosque alien. It's like the same alien race that the bounty hunter Bosque is, but he's like sort of like milk toasty skin wise, and he like is a total beta cuck, and he you just got, sits. Got the metal arm. No, no the the Bosque alien. He's like a dinosaur guy. Oh, you're talking about uh, Fleck. Yeah, Fleck. So so the original Bosk, who is that guy's race from the original Star Wars trilogy, was an OG bounty hunter that drove Houndstooth, one of the coolest Star Wars bounty hunter ships of all time. He's a legend. And this guy shows up, and he's like a simp. He's like... He's absolutely a simp. Dude, and he's the only male on the team, and... Every mission, it's like them being like, oh, you suck, huh? And him being like, oh, yeah, you're right. I do suck. You guys are so much cooler than me. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, dude. I, I couldn't believe it. How did this happen, Broadcaster Nichols? It's 2020. But good World. news. Uh, Wedge Antilles shows up for a cameo. He's there for about 40 seconds. And <laughs> yeah, he gets... I, <laughs> I forgot about Wedge. <laughs> He's there for 40 That's seconds. So funny. That's and so funny because I thought about that too. <laughs> you can 100% tell that they had no interest in Wedge being in this game. And they only brought him into the game briefly to attempt to legitimize the game in the eyes of actual Star Wars fans, like people that are actually fans of Star Wars, because they knew the story is so horrible that they need something to try and legitimize it. So like, let's throw Wedge in for a mission. People will be like, I remember Wedge. This is a great game. Isn't that such like a bad sign, though, of IP management when like a game comes out and the game feels so starved to have any likable asset from the IP mm-hmm. that the game is based on. Like, what the fuck? Why am I just barely getting a Wedge cameo in a game that's called Star Wars Squadrons? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> not only that, dude. This game takes place after the original trilogy. Right after. There are so many characters they could have brought into this game. Let's go down just a really short list. R2-D2, C-3PO, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Leia, Luke. Uh, Wait a second. Did I just name the... Oh, let's go. Uh, Lando Calrissian. Uh, Wait, did I just name every fucking character in the entire original trilogy and they didn't bring a single one except for Harris and Dula from fucking Star Wars Rebels in 30 seconds of Wedge to just be like, I approve this message. Bye. Wow. Died in 2020. <laughs> Holy shit, man. But uh moving away from the story a little bit, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of it. Um I also am not a fan of the way they went with the campaign in general. So what happens is that there's 14 missions and they bounce back and forth between the Empire and the, the Rebel stupid. Alliance. This is stupid. They were it's trying to make it like a movie. Right, exactly. They were trying to make it a movie. And what I don't like about this is it te- it choreographs what's going to happen at the end. So when you have a campaign that's built like this, you know for a fact 
that the Rebel Alliance is just going to win in the end because you know that the very last mission, they're going to switch from Empire back to Rebel Alliance. And if you're playing the Rebel Alliance, you know you win. Yep. So they they choreograph the ending. And that's dumb. What they should have done is they should have done the StarCraft approach where each side have their own campaign. And it's separate, but they tie in together, but they're separate campaigns. That way, you can use the first campaign to set up a really cool premise in the storyline, and you can use the second campaign to pay it off. Instead, they just did this hodgepodge nonsense bullshit in which it starts off with this betrayal, and then it becomes, oh, we're going to hunt down the betrayer because he's building a rebel Death Star. Okay, the whole rebel Death Star thing was a little weird, but okay. And the whole story just revolves around the revenge of uh, Teresa Carroll going after Lyndon Javes, who's now the leader of the Rebel Alliance, and his little mini Death Star. And it's just like, it's nonsense. Every mission has no stakes because there's no character development. You get to these moments in this game where they really want you to, to feel like there are high stakes in these few moments. And when you get to those moments you do not feel that there are any stakes because none of the characters have been developed and they're all shit. You have no attachment to these characters because they haven't done anything to give you an attachment. They tried to really, really lay it on thick with the nonsense dialogue to mm-hmm. give them depth. It was so sad. Yeah, it it's gave like, no it's, depth. It's just, it was fucking nails on a chalkboard. It It was. It was. I really like the engine for this game. I think that whoever designed the engine should get a job on a better game with a better team that's going to give him a better story to back up his product. But the game design itself was horrible. These were generic missions in this campaign. Like there there were maybe two or three missions where you felt okay, that was a mission. Like that was that felt legitimate. And then the other 10 they were just generic as fuck, like, escort this ship, destroy that ship, follow a waypoint. It was as vanilla as it gets and just straight up boring in a lot of these missions. It's also kind of a lie, too, to be in the game. It's like their mechanics even work half the time. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of the game, they said you have to slow down when you get to those, that white circle destination circle thing that takes you to the next checkpoint or ends the mission or whatever. Mm-hmm. But half the time it would auto lock you and just slow you down immediately. And then the other times I go right through it. If I didn't slow down, I was like, yep. what the fuck? I was just expecting to get stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely rushed many mechanics in this game. And that is no doubt. There was also a shocking amount of levels that were just super generic looking that had reused assets. Like, especially in the first half of the game. The second half, not so much. I feel like the second half, they really stepped up like the say, unique yeah. environments. But in the first half of this game, you're just in generic space, which is stars. Yeah. Like, I really liked the level where you were going to that, uh, like, hub ship, like, hidden in the asteroid belt. Yeah, that was good. One. That was pretty dope. Yeah, there were really good missions, and I'd say actually the majority of the missions, not the majority, close to 50-50, I'd say about 50% of the missions are good, and the other half range from okay to abysmal, and (laughs) 
there's this one mission in particular where you are just like driving around, like scanning stuff. And it's like a tutorial. It's like mission three, I think where it's basically a tutorial in disguise. They're like, Oh, do this, do that. And like, you're like thinking it's a mission, but by the end of it, you're like, wait a second. I just did another tutorial, but I'm on mission three. This is weird. And it's stupid. It even ends with like this weird, like, Oh, we need to teach you how to drift. (laughs) Drink. Newsflash, drifting is nothing, kids. <laughs> it's literally boosting and then pressing this. I, I, I was kind of like audited out at about it at first. So I was just like, wait a minute, what are they talking about? And then I did it. I was like, oh, you mean like turn while you're boosting? Drift. <laughs> drifting in space. <laughs> yeah. I guess the, they still think drifting is hip with the kids, even though they were <laughs> drifting was hip when I was a kid. And newsflash, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't think it's hip anymore. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? Kids in high school still have fucking Tokyo Drift oh, on yeah. DVD. <laughs> on DVD. Or, blue, or on Blu-ray, I mean, sorry. <laughs> HD DVD. I was going to say dual layer HD. <laughs> but uh, I bet yeah. you people don't even know what a dual layer HD DVD is. <laughs> nope. That's even less known than the Betamax at this point. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty short lived. But uh, Microsoft knows, though, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> did you? How many bugs did you notice in this game? Because I heard the PC version was way more buggy than the PS4 version, which I played, and the PS4 version was pretty buggy. So I had I had the game straight freeze on me on multiple load screens. So mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. There, I never had it freeze on me, but there were some really weird bugs. Like there was a mission, you know, the mission where you're like trying to follow the Rebel Alliance to the to the Rebel Death Star, and some hot shot like Archer style admiral shows up in his star destroyer. It's like I'm gonna kill these fuckers. What are you pussies doing? Remember that mission? <laughs> yeah. So, so that he mission... goes down with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I loved that guy, and I loved yeah. his voice actor. Was... That was one of the best voice actors in this entire game. He was great. He was, he was the only guy with heart in the game. <laughs> he, was. he was like he was he was like really the the. Uh, the spiritual embodiment of the only G at the studio making the game. I loved it when she was just like, you have to get out of there. It's a losing battle. He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It dies two minutes later. I know. It's funny too, because they were trying to like make him look bad. They were trying, they were really trying to make you as the, the game player, not like him and think of him as a fool. And when I'm playing, I'm just like, now this is a guy I could get behind. <laughs> His final words he says like the ship it's exploding. He's like, but I won. But I, that was <laughs> oh man, up. what a what a great line from a great performance of a character that only existed for half of a mission. Rest in peace. <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to the point. In that mission, you remember when? Uh, that they first are like, oh, we got to stop him. And they're like, we need to intercept the missiles that he's firing at the rebels. <laughs> My game bugged out here the first time I played it. It 
the missiles weren't firing, but it kept saying, missiles incoming. Oh, they're taking the missiles. The, the fleet's getting fucked up. You need to intercept these missiles. There were no missiles firing. Weird. And there were a few other bugs, too, but that was the one that really stood out to me the most, where I'm just like, wow, that's like a really glaring bug. Like, that's one that should come out in QA. You ever get the orbit bug on, like, a small piece of debris floating? Like, I ran into... Oh, the, yeah. Sometimes where I ran into debris, and then once I bounced off of it, I would immediately go into, like, this weird, like, orbital spin around the object and, mm-hmm. like, just keep grinding on it. That happened to me one time, and it was, like, the second-to-last mission. But yeah. it did happen to me once, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some bugs in the game. Oh, yeah. And uh, I thought the difficulty between levels was very uneven. Some levels felt like straight pushover, and other levels felt really unforgiving. Like, uh, I forget which level it is, but you're going after, like, a Galactic Republic capital ship, and you're trying to destroy it. It's like the first time you're going after a capital ship, and you're trying to legitimately destroy it. Like, you you know what I'm talking about? What mission I'm talking about? That mission felt way harder than any of the other missions that came before it or came after it. Yeah. Did you, did I think you, it was the only type of boss level there was. Basically, yeah, it felt like it. Yeah. And it it was it was jarring a little bit just how different the difficulty would be in, on the same difficulty. Like, I wasn't changing it around. It, I don't understand how you can't iron that out a little bit. It's really weird to me that you have such an uneven difficulty oh. level. They can't. They could, but they didn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it all, it, this all kind of goes back to the same source where this is basically a rush job. This game was rushed out. I think it was by design. <laughs> <laughs> Tinfoil hat on. Dude, I'm like Wolverine with animanium, but it's all tinfoil. You got tinfoil skeleton, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Circling back to VR a little bit, this game was 100% designed for VR first. You can just tell when you play it in VR that the game was meant for VR. I don't don't know how it feels to you because you, you never actually played it in VR, so you just have that one perspective. But I started the game in VR, then I went to normal, then I went back to VR briefly about halfway through, then I went back to normal till the very end. After you go back and forth a bit, you can just see that this game was VR first. And as soon as you leave VR, you notice that the, the interface doesn't look right. Nothing looks right. Like the game just doesn't look right on a TV compared to VR. And you start to realize, oh, that's because this is a VR game, but they don't have any faith in the VR platform. So they put in a normal mode. And that's yep. what most people are playing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but Ace Combat 7, way better VR. Than Don't the, even than compare squadrons. those two, all right? How dare you? <laughs> well, they're both dogfighters, you know. Uh, Ace Combat 7 yeah, is terrestrial. One's a, dog, one's a dog trying to fight, and, <laughs> one's, <laughs> and one does dogfighting, if you will. <laughs> Honestly, I thought a lot about Ace Combat 7 while I was playing Squadrons. Mainly how much better it was than Squadrons. <laughs> and very sad about it. Because... 
this is the type of game that you wanted when you were a little kid. If you grew up watching Star Wars, you wanted a game like Squadrons, but with a good storyline and good gameplay and like well thought out and not half-assed and not rushed out. But they just didn't deliver it. They delivered you a shell that they hope you'll spend $40 on. And they got my 40 <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. Dude, you can go back and play the original Rogue, Rogue Squadron, and it was ten times better. Not even I wouldn't like doubt with Rose, it. Not even with rose-tinted glasses. Like, straight up. It's just more of a game. Way more of a game. I honestly do not doubt that at all. I haven't went back and played Rogue Squadron since I originally had it as a kid, but I wouldn't be surprised, because I remember... When Rogue Squadron first came out on the N64, it was a big deal. Like it not only was it critically acclaimed and heralded by everyone, it was like people that didn't play video games were like, oh, you play video games? Do you have Rogue Squadron? Yeah. Like I had adults come up to me when I was like 15 or 14 years old or however old I was when Rogue Squadron came out. And I'd have adults that didn't play video games walk up to me like, you play video games, right? Do you have Rogue Squadron? Like, like in this weird, like lustful way, like it's forbidden or something. Like it was a zeitgeist type of game. Yeah. The only thing that Rogue Squadron doesn't have is just having the uh, Imperial, the Imperial side playable. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm okay with now after seeing what they did with the Empire (laughs) in this game. I'm okay with that. That wasn't the Empire. Uh, No, it wasn't. That was the Girl Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do think that this game sort of proves that as far as VR goes, the cockpit-based vehicle games are now a primary genre of VR. And I think that from now on, you're going to see these types of games developed for VR first oh, because they sure. just fit too well. Yeah, it's a shame that they couldn't put a third-person viewing for at least the the console and PC ports, <laughs> non-VR. I wouldn't be surprised if a patch added it later. I think that this game could get a lot of post-release content because of how skimpy the original release is. Yeah, it's pretty weak. But uh, what did you think about the uh, stylized, like, hipster propaganda preludes and prologues? Like, they do those, like like propaganda style little drawn art cutscene things. I don't even know what to call oh. them. Oh. You know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah. I mean What'd you think about as, those? So they were as lame as the rest of the game. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I, that was one where I wasn't sure if I was out of touch or not, but whenever I saw one of those come up, I was just like, man, is this a boost mobile commercial right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what they were trying to get away with there. Like, I was like, are you guys trying to be like modern or something? Like, let's be modern in a futuristic IP. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel me, dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was not good. And, oh, man, it, it was definitely made to try and woo Instagram millennials to this game like you can just tell that they're like we're gonna do this we're gonna put it in the trailer we're gonna spread it all over instagram and twitter and we're gonna try and get all of these blue check marks to like our game and to promote it dude they're so off the fucking mark it's unbelievable kids don't give a fuck about star wars nowadays star wars is memes to them yep 
they talk about boomers exactly it's a boomer fuck. stuff yeah, yeah it's yeah. boomer shit like they're <laughs> like why we give a fuck about star wars <laughs> oh my god it's so true it's so true they're desperately trying to get these kids to give a flying fuck about this shit when they could just be spending all that money on new ip you know desperately trying to make something new for these kids to cling on to and relate to you know <laughs> i do and uh, i'm also half surprised that neither the rebel alliance nor the empire referred to themselves as the squad during this campaign but aoc and elon omar rep- represent <laughs> the greatest squad of all time it's going to be great <laughs> yeah but you know I sound very negative about this game, and I am negative about it, but I do want to reiterate how good the engine is and how unfair it is to whoever designed it, how bad of a game this ended up being. That guy is probably crying in his Cheerios right now about what was done to him and his engine that he made because the controls, the physics, the point of view, the ship mechanics, all of the core gameplay is so good, and it's so ripe for a good game designer to come in and make a good game out of it. But it, it it didn't happen. Oh, I guarantee you that's what they sold them on, though. Mm-hmm. They're just like, here, start making the base idea for what you think's a good game, and if it's good, we'll just get all the we'll get the heavy hitters in here, bro. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make sure your idea flies, man. You're gonna be fucking so big. People are gonna be talking about how you made the coolest Star Wars game of all time, and then <laughs> fucking isn't it like you know two years down the line they're like, all right, I got it. I got the physics and everything down pretty well. They're like, okay, cool, sweet. You're done. Your contract's <laughs> over. What? What are you talking about? I thought we were gonna have the best team of all. A team, Duke of New York, a number one. Yeah, and you're not on it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we just listened to the actual conversation just now that was that seemed very accurate i'm gonna say I'm telling you dude hollywood hit me up <laughs> and uh what also is accurate is to say that the the empire got 100 shafted in this campaign in the ending so yeah so the last two levels the second to last is Empire, and the last last is Rebels, as we mentioned in the non-spoiler segment. They <laughs> choreograph who's going to win, obviously. And not only do they choreograph who's going to win, and they make it this like dumb ending where you're not even sure if the game's over. You're like, wait, that was it? Oh, okay, like you mentioned earlier. like It's just like one of those endings where you're like not even sure if it's the end or not. Not only do they do all that... They just pretend like the Empire didn't exist in the end. They don't give you a recap. They don't show you any scenes with the Empire people like in an aftermath scenario. They just straight up pretend like it never happened and it was always just the Rebel Alliance the entire time. And that is so fucking laughable. Yeah. I think it's just someone forgot at the end. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah. Didn't we have like an entire there's, half of a faction? That was yeah, the there was these two squads that were supposed to like meet up and actually have a moment, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Well, what what do you think about the ending? So now that we're at the ending, what are your real thoughts on the ending? Because I thought it was one of the biggest thuds of all time. 
It was absolutely the biggest thud of all time. There was a letdown. <laughs> there was no conclusion. There was there was no not one character ended up like becoming anything. <laughs> like I like I referenced with Fleck earlier. Like where is this like he was the only character to reference some hope of like, you know, being something in the storyline. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You could you, you could forget about Fleck about man, I don't know about six episodes in. <laughs> uh yeah. It uh man, that was sad because I really like Bosk a lot. And I when I first saw that there was a Bosk alien on the Rebel Alliance, I was pretty psyched about it. It immediately was dampered by his simping in the very like yeah. first mission he was in. Were they, what was it like? One of the strong woman leaders of the squads, like, yeah, I did this thing, uh, this cool maneuver. I learned it. Hey, uh, uh, Bosk alien guy, do you want to learn it? And he's like, oh, uh, no, I'm scared. Uh, that's only for strong woman to learn. I'm gonna wait for you guys to perfect it, and then maybe I'll take your breadcrumbs. Well, I yeah. wanted to kill myself when I was listening to that. And every time, every time, uh, they're talking like having little quips on the. In in game, it's it's he's always just like, oh, thank God you're there, ma- ma'am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the female. Let's just be real. Almost all the characters in this game are female, but all the female characters, all of their like little quip text is really like super masculine. Like I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I'm gonna give you this like one liner where. It, it's just super off-putting because it's like not every single woman is Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? Barely any women are. Barely any men are Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, what are you doing right now with all these females with this exact same personality of super masculinity? It makes no fucking sense. And then all the men act like women. It's literally bizarro land. It's not bizarro land. It's 2020. <laughs> God damn. Oh, Bro- I mean, Broadcaster Nichols, stand down and stand by. I mean, this is Star Wars. It's the future, not the present. But they want it to be like the present, which <laughs> they're hoping will be more like the future soon. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so sad, too, because one of the few bright spots is that there is like a major character that dies. Uh, well, it's Lyndon Javes. He dies. And then what? in the last, no. <laughs> he dies in the second to last mission. And finally, something of some weight happens in this stupid fucking game. He dies game. for the cause, though, right? Yeah. So but I didn't like the character. I didn't like the voice actor. I didn't like the faction. I didn't like anything. But I liked the death. I, I thought it was like, okay, finally, we have some stakes. Finally, we have some weight. Something that matters in the storyline. Something finally happened. The very next fucking mission he just magically resurrects like the phoenix no explanation of how he just flies out of a fucking ship oh god i fucking hate this game storyline so fucking much (laughs) this was one of the dumbest things i've ever seen in my fucking life and i wanted to punch my monitor when it happened he had to be a martyr all right he had to do it it's for the it's for the (laughs) storyline he said the storyline sucks so bad, I gotta spice it up <laughs> somehow. There's no, there are absolutely no stakes in the storyline. 
There's no character development. There's no character investment. Nothing matters. It, it just, nothing has any weight to it. And the few times something almost does, you, you they immediately get, snap it back. You never even get told the actual instance that makes Lyndon leave. At the beginning, you remember that? Mm-hmm. It's just generic. It's just like, oh, we're not killing people, are we? No. Yeah, duh, with the Empire. <laughs> with the fucking Empire, uh, bro. <laughs> all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought they were going to have like some full circle recap, you know, where like, you know, the the, the moment where he decided to leave the Empire was going to be significant in some way <laughs> between those two characters, at least. No, there's absolutely nothing significant in this game. Broadcaster Nichols favorite level. Mm, I think it's I, I forget if it's episode four or five. Uh, Into but, the uh, abyss. Yeah. That one where the ship has to do the hyper jump out of that like thunderous purple cloud, nebulous, the cloud of gas asteroid belt thing they're in. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, that was definitely one. That was one of the better missions. And I also did that one in VR. And it was really fucking cool in VR. Yeah. My favorite mission, though, is Fire in the Heart, mission 13. So. This is the second to last mission. This is the final Empire mission. And the reason I like this mission so much is it has some seriously varied gameplay in it. So basically you're going after the Rebel Alliance Death Star. You're you're going to attack it. You're going to destroy it. You do eventually destroy it to the point where you need to go inside and sabotage it. So you start flying into it like Wing Commander style. And you're like in this uh, tractor wave and you have to like fly really weird through the ship because of the gravity from this beam. And it it presented really unique gameplay compared to the rest of the game. Like it was very different. And so you get in through all this stuff and you get to the heart of the core. And then there's like this circular room with like nine little gravity core machines you have to destroy but while you're trying to destroy them there's like this vacuum wave pushing you in circles in this room so a lot of very uh divergent gameplay in this mission and then once you do beat those cores then you have an escape sequence where you have to like go to the exit and then it like punches you out like a bullet and you have to fly through all these little circles like star fox style and if you miss one by an inch, you just blow up instantly. Yeah. That, for my money, was the coolest mission in the entire game. I had a lot of fun in that mission. And I didn't even do it in VR. I kind of wish I did. I almost want to go back and do that one in VR just because of how cool that last part was. But for my money, that's that's the best level in the game. It's definitely the most bang for your buck, for sure. Uh, that being said, least favorite level. <sighs> All of them. <laughs> Every. <laughs> I don't know which one's the worst to be on. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say episode one, because it just sets such a lame precedent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> episode one's a strong choice. Uh, level one. The, the the betrayal scene mile wide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My my least favorite level is Mission 3 through Enemy Line. And we kind of talked about it a bit in the review. This is the mission where you're in generic space. No, like nothing really of substance is happening. It's a very short mission. And it 
at the end, you realize that the mission was a second tutorial. This mission was just a, a second <laughs> tutorial. There was no substance to it. They just wanted to teach you how to drift. And I took umbrage with this mission. This was an insult to my this intelligence. One of the 14 missions. <laughs> one of 14. A tutorial? Okay. Two of 14? Fuck you. And that's what Through Enemy Line was. And uh, that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, here on the Crack Cellar, we have a little segment we call the hit, the miss, and the whiff. In that segment, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your hit? The hit is the guy, that guy was taking off of his fat blunt when he went down <laughs> with his ship. <laughs> I forget his name. He had a cool name. I forget his name too, but I, I remember it was Admiral. Cool I think it was Admiral Goth or Groth <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> it kills me. I can't remember it because I remember when I first saw him, I was like, he has a cool fucking name too. He was definitely the hit. He was the only part of the storyline where I was just like, amen, brother. I wish I was done with this fucking storyline. <laughs> I wish it ended with you, bro. <laughs> yeah. He was like the only legit Empire character in the entire game. Like every other character was. was a woke millennial cosplaying an Empire. This guy was a legit Empire character. <laughs> like he was. My hit is the Frostbite engine. I think that the Frostbite engine and what they were able to do with it in this game is really amazing for how shitty of a game it is, for how little effort went into it, for how quick the development turnover was, for how rushed it was. They managed to ink out an amazing core gameplay in the Frostbite engine for space-based dogfighting. And that was what stood out to me the most about this game is like, oh, like, we are at this place with tech where we could make one of these games really fucking good now. This ain't it, but we could. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Probably won't ever get it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as companies like EA and Activision own the fucking rights to yep. Star Wars. We just we need to give the rights to From Software. <laughs> Dude, that means... <laughs> Be too much. The world ain't ready for that shit. Fucking, you start seeing Jedi floating pyramids and shit, and third eyes opening and whatnot, dude. Uh, that being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your miss? My miss, my miss, my miss. I think my miss is probably, if I'm being objective, is just the lack of ships mm. in this. This game, like, had one thing going for it that was good was the gameplay. It's pretty good. The ships were weak. And they got three ships each side. Lame. They even had some ships they didn't even let you use that I saw. Like the like the Z-Wing or whatever it is I saw flying around. Yeah, there were four ships, weren't there? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, four ships. Four. Uh, four is still kind of a lame amount, I agree. But, God, why didn't they just remaster Rogue Squadron? <laughs> or Shadows the Empire. The world ain't ready be, for that shit. That'd be dope. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how much of a pedigree Star Wars games have? And they've just screwed the pooch so bad lately. They sold them to the devil. Sold the rights to the devil. <laughs> yeah, we need to take these rights from EA right the fuck now. The best Star Wars game that EA ever made is called Galaxy of Heroes. It's a fucking phone game. <laughs> and that's sad as fuck. And I don't like it. It's not right. It ain't. But uh, that being said, my miss is the Titan Squadron, a.k.a. 
the Empire team that you play on. Fuck these people. First of all, you have Teresa Carroll, who was betrayed by her teacher and is bent on revenge and has absolutely no character development whatsoever. Everything she says to you is stupid. Nothing she does makes sense. She always loses. And I don't understand how she's even like the commander. Like she was supposed to be in like exiled in disgrace because she was under Lyndon Javes when he betrayed the empire. But all of a sudden they're just like, well, we're going to promote you back up and here's your own star destroyer. Have fun kids. Stupid. She she, uh, stepped out of her rank too and betrayed that captain on the gas uh, refuel station. Yeah. Yeah. That, that fucking mission. That was another one of no those dumbass missions that you're just like, okay, why did this even have to exist? But even like, after the fact, though, <laughs> no repercussions. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so the Titan Squadron, you have we have her, Teresa Carroll, but then we have the actual squadron. We have Shen, who's like this weirdo dude who's supposed to be like a, a Darth Vader sort of like never take my helmet off. I'm half machine now, whatever, blah, blah, blah guy. But he talks like a bitch and he he talks too much and he has no personality whatsoever. Then you have the uh, the leader, the Asian dude. I forget what his name is, but he's like technically the leader of your Titan squadron. Sounds really memorable. He do, he does absolutely nothing. He barely talks. He barely does anything. And then the rest of the team is just like generic woke teenagers. That are like it's just like this is not the fucking Empire, dude. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's the remnants of the Empire. <laughs> Dude, no, no, this this was unforgivable. What they did to the Empire, Titan Squadron, it was a joke. It was a big fucking joke. All their dialogue, none, none of it was Empire-esque. There was a whole bunch of like, are we sure we're doing the right thing, guys? Bitch, if you said that in the Empire, you would be fucking executed on the spot. These fuckers are on public comms being like, you guys sure we should be doing this? Is this the right thing to do? All the time. Just like, oh, shut the fuck up. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your whiff? The purchase of this game itself. (laughs) 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 I feel confused. On one hand, I'm just like, man... I remember playing X-Wing and TIE Fighter when I was a kid, and they were cheap and readily available, and I wasn't disappointed <laughs> for what I got. Fast forward to 2020, paying $40, and I'm thinking, well, it has to be at least better than TIE Fighter. Well, I'll bet you would <laughs> trade your license to Star Wars Squadrons for the original set of floppy disks that installed TIE Fighter right now, wouldn't you? If <laughs> someone offered it to you right now and said, here are the floppy disks, my dude. Straight Absolutely. up trade. You'd take no it. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and that is the ultimate indictment on this game. <laughs> and my whiff is just the storyline in general. And I'm not going to go too deep into it because we've basically been 
talking about it the entire fucking review. The storyline is a fucking joke from all angles, from all sides. There's no good dialogue. All of the side content is stupid. When you're in between missions in the hangar and you talk to these characters, every single conversation is nonsensical bullshit. There is nothing worthwhile in this storyline at all. Every moment you think has weight has none. Every moment you think is important is not. Every cameo you see happen is pointless. And it all ends with a death being magically reversed for no reason, with no explanation, with no ending. The end. Enjoy your fucking game, slave. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here on the Crack Seller Podcast, we have an official Joker rating system we use in all of our reviews. On that system, what do you rate Star Wars Squadrons? L for Leto. <laughs> bad L. <laughs> That's a bad L, dude. Jared, rest in peace. <laughs> I'm sorry it had to be this way. Damn. Giving it the Leto, huh? Yeah. That is some I was, sad I was, shit. I was not impressed with the game. Uh, there, there ain't too much to be impressed with. Uh, that being said, I'm going to give it a Caesar Romero. It's not a strong Caesar. <laughs> it's... Uh, the it's only not a powerful Caesar. <laughs> no, no, it's not at all. And honestly, this is like such a weak Caesar that it kind of borderlines on like a Kamala Harris rather than a Caesar Romero. But Kamala, <laughs> you know that picture where you see her with the Joker laugh and like the blacked out eyes. Have you ever seen that picture? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like the in between rank between Caesar Romero and Jared Leto in my heart. That's kind of the unofficial <laughs> in between rank. <laughs> And I think we get close to that with this game. Uh, we call it Kamala Descending. <laughs> the only reason I don't give this game a Jared Leto is because of the respect I have for the person that designed the engine and the core gameplay. It was good, and it was fucking corrupted. He handed them... I could only imagine being a game designer myself and being handed an engine like this and said, you make a game out of this. Here you go. And for me to produce such a big steaming pile of dog shit in response to that and hand it back to this guy and be like, here's what I did, bro. It's, it's fucking sad. It's a travesty. And I feel bad as fuck for that guy, whoever he is. I know you're out there. You're probably not listening to this. But I feel for you, dude. You did good work, and they fucking ruined it. And with that, we will close out. I'm Catherine Zeta-Jones. I think he's still banging Michael Douglas. You're on the wrong side of history, Broadcaster Nichols. 